Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's going on, everybody? It's Tuesday, May 31st, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco, and we have another great episode on tap for you today as we're going to talk some Colorado football over out in the Pac-12 with Buff Stampede's Adam Munster-Tiger, and he does a great job over there covering the football team, recruiting scene, everything Colorado football related, and he's going to give us the lowdown on what's going on with Carl Durrell's third season coming up in 2022. Bit of a, of a rebuilding project for Colorado football, but that's okay. Who knows? The Pac-12, you know, conceivably could be wide open next season, despite the fact that USC and Oregon are loading up. UCLA is on the rise. Utah, the defending champions, could be just as good as well, but Colorado could be sneaky good. Maybe a bowl game in the future uh, this season, if not by 2023. So things are turning around on the Colorado football front, and we have a very interesting conversation for you with Adam as well. So here's my conversation with Adam Munster-Tiger of Bus Stampede. Pleased to be joined now by Adam Munster-Tiger of the Colorado 24-7 site. Does a great job covering Colorado Buffalo's football, recruiting, and the likes of it. Adam, thank you for joining me here this afternoon. It, it, it's interesting though, because I'm, nobody seems like they're they're in, they're all in on Colorado. They're almost like the forgotten team in the Pac-12 as they're saying, oh, well, there's USC, there's Oregon, there's UCLA, Arizona State is a mess right now as well. But Colorado might be sneaky good. So let's rewind a little bit let's go to spring practice your biggest takeaways from spring practice as they head into what could be a pivotal 2022 campaign my main takeaway from spring ball for Colorado is that their defense has a chance to be pretty good and that was a unit that played pretty well over the course of last season especially when you consider the fact that they had one of the worst offenses in the country the quarterback play the offensive line play among the worst in the country and so there were some games where maybe late the defense wore down and the final score didn't really showcase the fact that the defense had played well for most of the game. And then they did lose Nate Lamon, really the, the leader of their defense as a middle linebacker, seven games in. And it, it took them a little while to kind of regain their form as a defense. You know, that was, like I'd mentioned, kind of the heart and soul of the defense. And so they played better late in the season that they beat Washington at home in their home finale and went on the road and, and with out a lot of key guys. They battled for a bit against Utah that they didn't end up losing that football game. But that's a defense that I I think has a chance to be pretty decent this year, especially when you look at the guys that really stepped up on the edge as outside linebackers this spring. And they've got a a decent starting group on the defensive line. And then I, I think the casual college football fan will look at the fact that Christian Gonzalez as a cornerback leaves and goes to Oregon and Makai Blackman, another cornerback goes to USC and thinks that that secondary is going to struggle. And they do have some young guys there, 
but there, there were some guys, Nikki, uh, Nico Reed and Kalen Moore and Tyron Taylor that played as true freshmen last year that they're ha- had a pretty strong spring. So I'm not saying that Colorado is going to have the best defense in the Pac-12, but I, I think it's going to be a top half of the conference defense that they can field in 2022. And you mentioned defense and that, that that's actually where I was going to go next. I was very fascinated by linebacker, Mr. Williams, who has been, he's been injured throughout most of his college career. He hasn't been able to be consistently healthy and to really showcase his abilities, but at least from the outside, from an outsider perspective, he looks like he's a pretty good, pretty good linebacker. You just mentioned how Colorado's defense has all this potential in 22. What, what is his ceiling if he's healthy and how has he looked so far going into what could be a, a pivotal fall for him as well? Yeah, Mr. Williams has got good instincts and he's going to be part of that group that rotates in it inside linebacker. But I think for this year in 2022, it's still going to be kind of a backup role because they just landed a transfer commit from Josh Chandler Samito, who led West Virginia in tackles last year, was a guy that uh, made a lot of plays for the Mountaineers the last three years. He was the MVP of their bowl victory a couple years ago. And so coming out of spring ball, you felt good about the defense like I had just kind of run down there, but you were still a little uncertain about, okay, what's middle linebacker going to be? Quinn Perry has made some plays, but he's not a sideline to sideline guy. Mr. Williams is a guy that's developing, finally healthy there, but you didn't have that surefire all-conference candidate type guy at inside linebacker. And so getting Josh Chandler Samito gives them that at that middle linebacker position. So Mr. Williams will kind of factor in there, but I think Chandler Samito will be the, the main guy there at middle linebacker. Now, before we switch over to the offensive side, it's interesting you mentioned it now. The linebackers, they have to be key, right? Because you, you know, you've talked about the, the secondary, how they've, they've had a little bit of a change. Defensive line, strong as well. But would you say the linebacker group is probably the biggest key for this defense's success in the fall? Yeah, I mentioned the outside linebackers. That, that's a group that when you look at one to five or six on the depth chart, there's not a whole lot separating those guys. But there are guys that have shown flashes. Devin Grant came into the season finale being upgraded from scout team and was maybe their best defensive player against Utah on the finale. So he had quite a transformation throughout the course of last season. Alvin Williams was a guy that was kind of out of position at inside linebacker. They moved him to outside linebacker late last season. He flourished this spring. Guy Thomas was a guy that was playing at an all-conference level until he got hurt early on last season. So I think that's uh, you know the, the part of the defense where there's not the, the one guy you're going to point out, but has good depth. And, and really, when you look at Colorado's struggles the last 15 or so years, it's been depth that's been the biggest issue. They've had decent guys that are going into the season starting, but when they start losing guys to injury, there's a huge drop off. And and you notice that throughout the course of the season. So outside linebacker is one of those spots you're not really worried about their depth. And that's a group that's pretty deep. Defensive line, you're still maybe not quite as convinced of the depth in some other positions on this team. You're not still convinced of that depth. But I think on the edge, that's a group that you really feel good about five or six guys in that group. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, event. I was you know, scrolling through some of your spring practice observations and whatnot. Uh, tight end Austin Smith. This guy looks like he could be a potential superstar. Now, he redshirted last year, so maybe not everybody knows what he's capable of, or they've maybe they've never even heard of him outside of the Colorado fan base. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, he's got an interesting story. He comes from a farming community in southeast Texas of 30 people, and so he was kind of a man amongst boys, but no one really noticed this kid. He drove eight hours to camp when he was going into his senior year. 
got some looks, you know, the the Northern Colorados of the world, kind of those FCS programs. And he was actually set to go JUCO until he posted an 11, 100 meter dash, 230 pounds as a senior. And Colorado said, you know, this is a kid that's going to go to a junior college and blow up and end up at, you know, you know a big time program at Texas, uh, Texas A&M. And so why not take a chance on him now, let him develop in our program. And he's going to be a guy that you can put in certain situations this year, you still bring back Brady Russell, who is, uh, I mentioned that Nate Lamb was a heart and soul of the defense last year. Brady Russell's kind of heart, heart and soul of this football team right now. He's the wily veteran of the group, a former walk-on that uh, you know has worked his way to be one of the best players on the team. And so he's going to get the bulk of the action at tight end. But Austin Smith is a guy that you get his feet wet a little bit here as a redshirt freshman in 2022. And I think down the road, he's going to be a player for them at, at the tight end position, a versatile guy that you can you know, flex out and use in a lot of different ways offensively. So he could be more than just a tight end. We're, we're talking maybe a red zone threat in the wide receiver position. You're, you're talking stuff like that. Yeah, he actually didn't even play tight end because I mentioned it was such a small school he went to. He They didn't use a, a tight end because they couldn't afford for him to get hurt. So they had him as a receiver. So learning the tight end position has obviously been a steep, le- steep learning curve for him. So yeah, you can use him uh, in, a, in a variety of different ways. Before we dive into the rest of the Colorado offense, take a quick break. Make sure to keep it locked here. Listening to the College Football Daily. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Continuing our conversation here with Adam Munster-Tiger of Buff Stampede, our Colorado 24-7 sports site. You know, Adam, everyone loves quarterbacks. Pac-12 obviously has a better, has more of an influx of star caliber quarterbacks now. Of course, Caleb Williams going to USC. That was the biggest headline. And Bo Nix, of course, going from Auburn to Oregon. But for Colorado, JT Shroud, I'm very interested in him because he's a former Tennessee guy. He transferred in, did not play last year. What, what, what's been the biggest takeaway for Shroud? I mean, is he the guy this year? And if he is he the answer if he is the guy? Your biggest takeaways from Shroud as he's worked through the offseason program so far? Yeah, Shroud, I would put as the odds on favor to be Colorado starting quarterback this year. He was going to be the guy last year until midway through preseason camp. He took a wrong turn up the 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 turf and suffered a torn ACL. So he wasn't cleared 100% for spring ball. He was doing seven on seven stuff, but they expect him to be full go when summer starts. And so there will be a competition between him and Brennan Lewis, who started every game for Colorado last year. And I wouldn't write off Brennan Lewis because he does have those game reps. JT Shrout started a game at Tennessee and he got into a few others. But now at this point, Lewis does have more experience and he showed improvement last year. It just wasn't as rapid of improvement improvement as, as Colorado fans wanted. You know, he was really struggling to read defenses early on, got a little bit better at that, still just was not getting the ball out as quickly as they wanted to. And that half second delay sometimes with getting the ball out caused issues with them. And so I will say the one good thing about Brennan Lewis last year is that he made pretty smart decisions with the football it was really tough. I mean, 
there was times he should not have gotten back up, but he kept doing it over and over again. So he will be in the mix, but JT Shroud just has a different level of arm talent. And uh, as long as he's healthy, I would think that he'll be the guy, but in, in not to say that he's going to be on a short leash, but you do have two guys now that have some start, starting experience at the college level. So it's a better situation that they were in a year ago, but still unproven guys largely when you compare them to a lot of the other quarterbacks in the Pac-12 going into 2022. Would you say that's the biggest question mark right now for this offense? Maybe the entire Colorado football team is that quarterback position, and unfortunately, it's the most important position on the field, but we know what Shrout can do, at least in terms of his talent and potential, but he has yet to prove it on a consistent basis. And You mentioned how Colorado went through some quarterback problems uh, dating back to last season. Is it still the biggest question mark on this football team? It's the second biggest question mark because because number one is offensive line. A lot of the criticism was put at Brennan Lewis last year, and I mentioned those things. He wasn't great at reading defenses. He struggled to get the ball out on time. Part of that issue was he wasn't given a whole lot of time back there, and the offensive line play was among the worst in the country last year. They fired their offensive line coach seven games into the season, which you just really don't see happen a lot unless there's some kind of off-the-field controversy. It was simply a fact those offensive linemen did not like playing for the guy, and they made a, a change there. They brought in Kyle Devan, who was on the Michigan staff last year, had previous power five offensive line coaching experience at Arizona and the guys like him. Now, how much can that group improve? The, this, the good thing for that group is it can't get any worse than it was last year. So if they can just be uh, an average unit in the Pac-12, I, I think that opens this offense up to be a, quite a bit better than it was last year. Now, the schedule is going to get tougher, so that's going to challenge them. But I would say that's the biggest question mark because JT Shrout, yeah, he's got a lot of arm talent, but he's not a dual threat guy back there. So if he's constantly under pressure, that's going to be an issue for them. So I would go O-line as their biggest question mark. How much better can that group get? And then quarterback being number two in terms of question marks for this football team. Well, whether it's Shroud or Lewis throwing the football this season behind, hopefully an improved offensive line for Colorado's sake, RJC comes in, wide receiver transfer from Baylor. You highlighted him as well throughout the spring. He obviously brings in a lot of talent. He was a productive pass catcher for Baylor uh, in, in his time over there. What have you seen out of him as he's made his way into a new program here in the Pac-12? Yeah, this is a guy that they limited his reps this spring because they know what RJ Snead can do. He led Baylor in receiving two years ago, was second on their team last year. Just a, a good all-around receiver that that plays like a veteran, a, a guy that you would expect coming in as a fifth-year guy, how he would uh, react during his first spring at, at Colorado. So it was a pretty smooth transition. We didn't get to see a ton of him in scrimmage action. He'd catch a pass early in the scrimmage and then watch from the rest, watch the rest from the sidelines. But yeah, he's going to be their, their go-to option, their receiver. And uh, he made some great catches at Baylor. And so they're they're expecting some pretty big things out of him. I don't think there's a huge drop off. You lost Brendan Rice to, to USC. I think he, that trade isn't one you'd make because RJ Snead only has one year of eligibility, whereas theoretically Brendan Rice has more than that as an underclassman. But for this year in 2022, I don't think there'll be much of a drop off between those two guys. Does a guy like RJ Snead really open up things for the rest of the offense because of his talent, knowing that what he did at Baylor, leading the team in receiving and was second, as you mentioned, last year for a Big 12 championship team. When you have a guy like that on the field, is he going to draw a lot of double teams? Is, is, is that really going to actually help out this offense open up in the passing game now? Yeah, he's going to definitely demand some attention. He's not quite the over-the-top deep threat guy. He's more kind of just savvy. He finds the holes in the defense and can make those one-handed catches. Daniel Arias 
who is a guy that we've been waiting to really break out at Colorado, is kind of that over-the-top deep threat that I think you could see emerge this year. He's somebody that struggled with confidence early on. He showed up day one, 6'4", 200, looking like an NFL receiver, but he had some drops early in his career, and it was just hard for him to kind of get over the mental hurdle of things. And he's coming off his best spring at Colorado. So as long as he can kind of take uh, you know some of the attention away from putting all that pressure on RJ Snead, I think that would be a big thing for them. Um, and I mentioned Brady Russell at tight end. They, they do have some solid options there. They have one open scholarship right now as we record this. And so they're actually looking to try to bring in one more piece at receiver that, that could really solidify that group going into preseason camp. Adam Munster Tiger of Buff Stampede joining me on the College Football Daily. I'll leave you here with this one. Head coach Carl Durrell is 8-10 and 10 in his two seasons as the head coach. Again, 2020, we kind of threw out the window whether it was successful or not because everyone had a shortened season, particularly the Pac-12 as we all remember. But what is his ceiling here at this school, I mean, I, again, I know I, it, most schools will give you the leash of, you know what, it takes four to five years to really build your program, to put your stamp on it. Other schools, a little bit more impatient, they'll give them the quick hook after maybe the third season or the fourth season is going to be a make or break year. Would you call 2022 a make or break season for Carl Durrell? Or you say, you know what, let's give him a little bit more time. Year four, year five is where really we have to start evaluating this process. I think this season would have to be a disaster for Carl Durrell to get fired. Obviously, if you're a Colorado fan, you want to see them take steps forward, but he's in a really tough position, especially the way NIL is right now in the transfer portal with the one-time transfer exemption. Colorado on some level has kind of turned into this this farm team for other programs. I mentioned Christian Gonzalez going to Oregon, uh, Mikai Blackman going to USC, Brendan Rice going to USC, Mark Perry going to TCU. They've put a lot of time and effort into developing some of these guys that have gone to other Power 5 programs. And so they don't have the support from an NIL standpoint to keep some of these guys around. And so it stinks if you're a Colorado fan. You, you shouldn't have to be patient. You know, you've been patient long enough, right? But the way things are right now is, and you've even got some academic restrictions that, that you're dealing with that a lot of your other Pac-12 peer don't have to deal with in terms of bringing transfers in. So they've had to keep going back to the high school ranks and, and sign a full class of high school kids where as a lot of their Pac-12 peers have gone to the transfer portal, they can't, they, they basically have to get mostly guys that have graduated from the portal, which is tough. And so it's a tough, tough rebuild for Carl Durrell. If you can just see him continuing to show strides. And I, I think the biggest thing is this offense needs to score points because you can be a little bit more patient as a fan base when you're losing guy games 35 to 31 but when you're getting blown out in your offense is scoring seven points a game it's just really hard it's a hard product to watch on the field and so I think this offense needs to creep up higher in, in terms of scoring you know high 20s a, a game versus last year when they were really struggling as a unit and maybe that'll make people a little bit more patient but this is going to be a tough rebuild for Carl Durrell if they can win with this schedule five or six games I, I think he's just fine and comfortable in his role as a head coach going into 2023 it's funny you mentioned the uh, maybe a projected win total five or six wins this year would be a good would be a best case scenario or at least a good outcome for Carl Durrell but if you have uh, real quick if you had one bold prediction for Colorado and as it stands we're, we're, we're still in the uh, mid mid spring not even in summer yet but if you had one bold prediction for Colorado football in 2022 it is well they're going to beat somebody they're not expected to I, I think everybody says if you expect Colorado to win five games they go well where are the wins coming from and you look at the schedule and it's tough to find five wins on there it's tough to find four wins and so I think this program is better in some of the spots where they lost guys than than people think they are nationally and so 
you know, there, there will be a game where I think kind of like they almost did last year against Texas A&M. They lost that game 10-7 early in the season. I think there's going to be a result where they break through and get a win against a team that they're not expected to this year. Adam Munster, Tiger of Buff Stampede, our Colorado 24-7 site. Adam, where can everybody find you on social media? At AdamCM777. Awesome. Adam Munster, Tiger College Football Daily. I appreciate you joining me today. Hopefully it's a good season for Colorado. And then a lot of people out in that area have something to cheer about, of course, as they will try to rise within the Pac-12. Appreciate you joining me, man. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Great conversation with Adam Munster, Tiger of Buff Stampede covering Colorado football and recruiting and everything you need to know about the Buffaloes coming up in 2022. So we'll see what happens. Six and six might be out of their own possibility based on his opinions and his reporting, but you never know. Might be able to steal a couple games here and there, get to that four or five win mark, and then, hey, you never know. Just need to steal one extra game and they're going to be bowl bound. But we'll see what happens with Colorado come this fall. Still a long summer to go before we get there. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Nick Costco 59 N-I-C-K-K-O-S-K-O-5 not on Twitter give us a follow on Twitter for 24-7 sports at 24-7 sports and of course be sure to like download and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts for the college football daily that's going to do it for me be sure to tune in next time as we head into June on the college football daily we'll see you next time on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.